What's going on, Orlando City fans? Welcome back to the Lions Blog Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Rushnow, and today I will be previewing the Atlanta United match coming up with Sydney Hunt from Dirty South Soccer. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Cappy Subs. You can order over the phone at 407-647-9099 or online at cappysubsfl.com, all one word. Please make sure to leave a five-star review as we will be reading them out on the podcast. And I just want to hear you guys' thoughts on Twitter. Are you guys enjoying the previews? Are you guys enjoying me talking to the opposition uh, fans? Are you guys enjoying hearing their takes on uh, how we can beat them, how they can beat us, stuff like that? Um, and, of course, getting their thoughts on our team in general um, and the game itself. Do you guys like that, or do you guys prefer me, Daniel Chase, Adam, Um going at it and having our keys to the match and stuff like that. And that that's more of a question for the long run. So obviously I'm going to continue it for these six games coming up just because, uh, again, it is back to back to back to back. So there's not really a lot of uh, time in between matches, but when, you know, we get back into the swing of things and there's a, a week in between a match, uh, do you guys want me to keep doing this or do you guys want me to, to stick with, uh, the, the normal crew? Um, so just 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 keep that in mind as you are listening to this episode, and maybe if you haven't listened to the Nashville preview, maybe go give that a listen because Davey did give a lot of good points that turned out to be true in the match um, that came. Uh, but yeah, other than that, yeah, let's get into it. Here is Sydney from Dirty South Soccer. Sydney, how are you doing today? Hey, Gavin, doing good. How are you? I am doing well myself. Uh, do you want to kind of talk about what you do over at, at um, the SB Nation site for Atlanta? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, mainly an editor over there, but um, a lot of times I file you know, breaking news stories to the website. I write opinion columns here and there, but um, over the past week or so, you know, it's been hot and heavy in the Atlanta United news cycle, even within the past month, you know, not, especially with the um, Atlanta Miami match being canceled. We'll talk about that probably a little later. But of course, Atlanta hiring, or not hiring a new coach, but firing Frank DeBoer and uh, bringing up Stephen Glass from their USL side as an interim manager while they search for a full-time manager. So i um, been keeping up with that. And um, that's pretty much in a nutshell what I've been doing over the past few weeks over there. Yeah, uh, I'm glad that you brought it up. I actually wanted to get your thoughts on the Miami uh, match Atlanta, the Atlanta and Miami match getting canceled. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, Jeff Lorenowitz actually on um, Thursday, so yesterday yesterday when we were recording this, um, he actually brought up a point. Well, he actually talked about how things came together, the timeline, um, you know, things like that. He said that he didn't realize what was going on until right before that he left for the club's meeting pregame. But uh, he saw what was going on with the NBA, and I guess that's what really set off that chain of events for that match to be canceled. Um, he made sure to stress that it was player-led. That's kind of a player-led movement, not a league-led movement, as the MLS kind of um, hinted at. 
through their statement on social media. Um, my thought process on that is, and me personally coming from a situation where me as a white man who fortunately has never faced um, racism to the extent, or anything to the extent of what Jacob Blake or some of the other names that have come up in the news cycle have faced. So I count myself very fortunate but me personally, um, it's forced me to really educate myself as to you know, what the issues are all about, not just you know, ref- act on reflexes as to you know, what was he doing to deserve it, you know, was he resisting things of that particular nature. Um, you know, growing up really in predominantly white neighborhoods, um, I kind of was conditioned to kind of think that, I guess. But these, these last few weeks, especially these last few months, even going back um, to what happened in Minneapolis, um, have really forced me as a person to really think about my, where, where I stand as a Black man and how I can use my voice, how I can educate myself in these times. And uh, certainly, I think, from the player standpoint, they certainly have that right to. Uh, as fans, you know, we can say, like, no, you're just here to entertain us, but yeah, as Jeff Lorenowitz said, you know, if you're entertained by the players, you at least owe it to them to really listen to what they're saying and really hearing them when they talk instead of just looking at them as entertainers. They're human beings too. They breathe the same air as we do. So that's just where I stand. I, we could go on for hours about that, but um, that's where I stand personally. Yeah, I think you brought up a good point about just needing to be educated overall. I think everybody just needs to to learn more about this, delve deep into it, and um, there's a lot of outlets out there. So let's get into the match uh, coming up tomorrow at 3.30 p.m. Actually, it got moved uh, from its original kickoff time to be uh, aired on national television. I believe it's going to be on Univision. Uh, tell me some of Atlanta's strengths as a squad. What... Um, I know you guys only saw one game under glass, but under DeBoer, what seemed to be working, uh, which it didn't look like a lot uh, from outside looking in, um, but under glass as well, what seemed to work in that last matchup for you guys? Well, Stephen Glass, um, when he was appointed as the caretaker manager for the interim head coach of Atlanta United, one of the things he said that the team would take on is a more attacking mindset. And that's really what, Atlanta United's brand is right the attacking free free flowing soccer that we saw really with Tata Martino during the first two years of the club as he was coaching. Um, when Atlanta hired Frank DeBoer, it kind of seemed like that he was looking to put his imprint on the team, and that was more of that Dutch um, Dutch influence that possession possession based total football kind of play that really ran counter to Atlanta United's philosophy, which begs the question um, if Atlanta United, if that's what their brand was, you know, this free-flowing attacking soccer, why they hire someone like Frank DeBoer. So I think a lot of the players, a lot of the attacking players were felt handcuffed, uh, particularly guys like Leandro Gonzalez-Perez, who's down in Inter-Miami, of course. Um, P.T. Martinez, we'll talk about him a little later on. Um, I guess to a little more lesser extent, Joseph Martinez. Um, you saw that some of the attacking players 
weren't really being put in a position to succeed. Now Lupin uh, Tito Vijalaba as well, he's gone too. But um, they weren't really, really being put in a position to succeed in a freight war, I think. Um, but when Stephen Glass came in, I'll, I'll go ahead and say as well, you know, there's a lot of friction in the locker room that was very well publicized in the media, even at Dirty South Soccer, I will say. But um, I think once Stephen Glass kind of put his handprints on the team and said, you know what, we're going to try to go back to that attacking soccer, I think that really um, helped the club. I mean, obviously, we've seen them just play one match in the glass, like you said, but um, you saw P.T. Martinez have his best match in the Lenny United uniform, so hopefully that's something that he can build on moving forward as a player now that you know some of that conflict that was in the locker room has been resolved to some extent. Now, do you think um, this this question kind of just popped in my head as you were talking? Do you think um, the reason y'all signed Frank DeBoer was maybe because he's just a big name coach? You know, he's he's coached over in Europe. Uh, he's coached international teams before. Um, so even though he didn't fit your guys' philosophy, you guys being or or having the aim to be one of the biggest clubs in America, uh, y'all went for the big name rather than the right name. Yeah, um, that, that was kind of the question that a lot of fans had. You know, looking at you know, Frank Boer's um, track record. Uh, of course, you know, you alluded to it, he won so many titles, number of titles at Ajax and the Netherlands. Um, and that was obviously a plus sign for him. But when you look at what happened with him at Inter in um, Italy and with Crystal Palace in the Premier League, uh, just his tenure there didn't mesh at all. And he was sacked in relatively short order and both stops. So I think that's what kind of soured fans to him, even given his success at IX. Uh, along with that, like I said, you know, that 3-4-3 position-based total football style that he favors, that really ran counter to what the philosophy of Helena United presents, uh, it really puzzled some fans um, as to why he was hired in the first place. And that's one of the questions that I've had as well, you know, why did the front office know Arthur Blank, um, Darren Neal's Carlos Bocanegra, why did they hire uh, Frank DeBoer with that in mind? So that's one of the questions that, oh, really, I don't know if we'll get an answer to. I think that you know, this time at Ajax did have a strong influence on that. But um, overall, with his philosophy being so much different than what Atlanta United wants to do, I think um, – that's really a question that I don't know we'll ever get the get the answer to. Mm-hmm. Now you said that Glass uh, told the fans that he wanted to attack from day one. Uh, so obviously his style of play is attack, but what other nuances in his his play are there? Like uh, any specific details on what you saw in the Nashville game for that that suits his style? You think? Um, Glass has Glass has been. Um, He's notoriously close to the vest, plays his cards close to the vest when it comes to what his tactics will be. So it's really tough to get, get much out of him outside of, you know, some generalities. But, you know, going back to what like he was saying about attacking, um, some things I saw on, on um, the other night against Nashville, last week against Nashville, was the outside wingback play. You saw um, the wing backs, especially George Bell on the left, uh, really get in advanced positions up forward in the field. Um, 
for the attacking area. Um, obviously, he's at that left-back position, but the club feel that he can really continue to get up in those advanced positions. Uh, Franco Escobar, um, he played. I, I don't believe he'll be available tomorrow. Um, he'll be serving that suspension that he would have been serving against Miami. He's one of those players as well that can get forward for you, get involved in the attack as needed. Um, he kind of has this nickname, Playoff Frank, Playoff Franco, because you know, some of his best performances for the club have been in the playoffs. <laughs> Not so much in, in the regular season, but um, you know, when he's on his game, he can really affect matches as much as he can. Um, so that's another plus we saw. Um, you saw the shape of the team kind of take on, I want to say maybe a 3-4-2-1 to some extent. Um, and that's due to the point that, uh, due to the fact that, you know, Joseph Martinez, of course, is injured. So the club have had to mitigate that. Um, they started Adam, Adam John as striker. Um, he didn't really have too much of an effect on the match against Nashville. So that was concerning to me. Um, but like I was saying, you know, they want to really use those outside wingbacks, get the ball for another left side, especially, and really work from there. Really try to get things involved more with PT Martinez, which they did. And of course, he had his braces, including a sensational goal to make it 2 0. So they want to get him more involved, I'm sure. Try to put him in the position to succeed and maybe pull some strings that Frank DeBoer wasn't really able to pull. What that looks like tactically, I think that will be on a match-to-match basis, but we'll see what happens, especially with Orlando. All right, now what are some weaknesses that y'all have noticed in the squad? Um, I, I want to kind of touch on P.T. Martinez because um, even with his two goals against Nashville, I mean – what's the next step going to be? I think one of the weaknesses in the past is really his inconsistency. You know, we'll see flashes of what made him the South American player of the year during a pretty successful run in Argentina one night. Then he'll be missing um, shot attempts miles high and miles wide the next night. So if that's a weakness that we've seen in the past is his inconsistency um, ideas in the attack, especially with Joseph Martinez missing, uh, that's a part of the team that can't be ignored at all. Um, Adam John, who I mentioned, played at striker against Nashville. I don't really had a really disappointing game, rarely affected the match. So that's a weakness that Atlanta United will have to work through. Um, defensively, they looked a little bit shaky. Um, I think part of that was rust, but I think that with at least a match in a few training sessions under their belt. They'll look a bit more organized against Orlando. Um, so that's a weakness. Uh, they were really strung out on some passes. Um, I, I noticed against Nashville, so hopefully that's rectified. Hopefully they worked on that in training. Um, those are the main weaknesses I can look at. But um, at the end of the day, this club needs to find a striker. Um, they didn't really account for Joseph Martinez's absence when they went to the um, when they signed players in the offseason once he went down. Uh, Kubo Torres, we might see him uh, start up top. Um, Jurgen Dom, we might see him play at some point. He's not match fit yet, but we might see him. But um, 
as far as creating in the attacking, finding ways to score with possibly one of the top strikers in the league out is a huge weakness and one that they'll need to solve. One that hurt them really in the MLS's back tournament. Yeah, I mean, you guys didn't even score a single goal, so that was definitely the major weakness in your squad there, uh, which is understandable when you lose your your star striker who has been banging goals in you guys ever since you've really joined the league. Um, all right, I also want to get uh, your thoughts on Barco. Uh, is he Has he been dropped? Is he injured? What's going on with him? Because I haven't really seen anything about him. Um, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. Um, really? Wow. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mentioned glasses, very placing very close to the vest, and um, that's really nothing new. He was the same way as uh, the manager of LNE United too. Just very, um, very hesitant to elaborate on injuries. Um, I'll mention to Emerson Hyman this day today as well. So, not sure if we'll see him against Orlando or not. Barco, of course, is a big one. Um, no one knows what happened. I mean, he he played. Um, uh, nothing seemed to be wrong beforehand, but all of a sudden we find out that you know he stayed a day. And when we saw the lineup come out against Nashville, we were like, "What the heck? Where is he?" Um, come to find out, yeah, he was day to day. Apparently, mm. sustained not in training. Um, that again, us as media. You know, can't go to because of COVID, of course. But I mean, no one really knows. I mean, it's just a weird situation. Um, Glassy's not been um, open to discussing that in depth. Um, there's some speculation. I don't know if it's really, I'm sure it's pretty uncommon speculation that he might be transferred off the team. I don't know that as this is the case. I don't think that's going to happen. But, um, just the circumstances around it, what exactly is wrong and why he hasn't why he hadn't played against Nashville. It's just a strange situation, especially not even being on the team in the game day eighteen. Really strange. So we're just trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, who knows? He may play against Orlando, he may not, but um we'll see what happens. All right, now tell me give me a, a couple ways that Atlanta could could hurt Orlando and then give me a couple ways that Orlando could hurt Orlando and just in terms of the game itself. Sure. I mean, you have um, a player in Nani who has, of course, been very effective for you all, especially during the MLS inspect tournament. Um, so stopping him, keeping him off the ball, um, I think he'll be a challenge for the defenders to really keep him in check. Um, Daryl DK, who has had a tremendous season for you all as well. Um, that's another player to keep tabs on, too. I think defensively, um, if Atlanta can keep Orlando... Yeah, Atlanta can keep Orlando at bay uh, from a defensive standpoint, pretty much a little better than they did against Nashville. They should be able to win. Uh, at the same time, they need to create chances. Um, P.T. Martinez needs to be the P.T. Martinez we saw against Nashville. Now, the P2 Martinez we saw in the MLS Spec tournament, um, they need to create the attack. Um, I don't know if Stephen Glass is going to start um, Adam, Young, Adam John on Saturday. If he does, they'll need to get him more involved and create chances for him. If not, maybe that's a Kubo Tardis situation. 
see if he's available available to make things happen. But um, they, they need to get more involved in the attack. They came away with a two 0 win against Nashville, of course, but at some point, it just didn't look that convincing. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see moving forward if they can get that rolling. Uh, who would be next man up after Franco Escobar since he's out of the match now? That's a that's a good question. Um, I'd say the um, we have to throw in Fernando Meza as well. Um, being injured, I, I want to say Lawrence White. Lawrence White has started in the back as well. Um, we saw him, I believe, in Nashville. Um, on February 29th, the first match of the season. So I would expect to see him. Um, I'll mention um, Mesa too already. Um, Miles Robinson, of course, really has made himself one of the best center backs in MLS. So we'll see him certainly fill that role. I think defensively, you'll see Bello, um, Robinson, perhaps White in the back, White taking the place of Escobar. Just for that night with him being out due to that um, red card, but um, we'll see again what Stephen Glass has in mind. All right, now uh, who have been your top performers and some underachievers uh, when when looking at uh, specific players? I would say um, top performer um, at this point in time has been um, uh, based on what we saw against Nashville, P.T. Martinez. Um, again, he rose to the occasion in Nashville or against Nashville last week. So we'll need to see that P.T. Martinez, like I said, against Orlando. Um, Brad Guzan has played well. I mean, of course, um, when you look at the MLS's back turn with Atlanta not having scored the single goal, he, he had some good saves. He had some saves that really kept those score lines from being more damaging. Uh, he has some really key moments as well against Nashville, so he's a very top performer, I would say. Um, toward the bottom for me, I would say um, Adam John. I mentioned him already. Um, he's the big one. As far as other players, I would say um, Brooks Lennon was okay. I mean, he didn't have a huge effect on the match, so I throw him as the bottom performer. I think the big one is John. I think just as a striker, you'll have to get more involved. You have to put yourself in the position to create scoring chances for yourself. I don't think he did that. So I think he would be, you know, really on the bottom for me, bottom of the totem pole for me. Do you think that this being a a, a big rivalry match? Uh... The, the Atlanta players will will step up their game a bit. So even some of the underachievers who have have been kind of iffy throughout the season, uh, like you said, PT Martinez was poor in the MLS's back tournament. He obviously stepped it up against Nashville uh, or Adam John. You know he's gonna he's gonna want to you know make an impact in this game because it looks like he hasn't really been able to do that since um, Joseph Martinez has gone down injured. Do you think that since this is a rivalry game? Atlanta players will step up and and show, you know, a, a better performance than they have been previously. Yeah, I think they know I'm going in that you know, this is a team that they've never lost to. I think that <laughs> will really drive them. This is a obviously I hate to remind you of that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That'll be obviously the fans will keep on 
Biggie, that drum, until uh, Orlando does win against Atlanta. But you know, they're going in, you know, that's they'll they'll say that that's not a motivator. If you ask them, they'll say that it has no bearing on anything. It was, it's just another match. But uh, at the same time, they know going in that this is a very much improved Orlando team with Oscar Pereira. Um, he's come in and really uh, done well with this team, taking it to the MLS back final, um, beating Nashville the other night. So he's really proven to be a key hire for a club that have really struggled in that department that has been really rife with turmoil, especially in the locker room. So it looks like I mean, his success with Dallas has really carried over to Orlando, at least in the early going. I think Atlanta understands that. You know, Brady Zan spoke with the media. He pointed out that, you know, Brady has come in, put his ideas in the club, and they've responded. So he's absolutely right. And we see a club like Orlando that have really struggled to find their footing in MLS. Um, Atlanta understands that. And they understand, you know, what this match means to the fans. So, you know, they'll go in knowing that, and they'll go in, you know, wanting to really get that 10th, you know, non-losing result against Orlando. So, yeah, they'll definitely be motivated, I think, to get that win, especially on what's been really an emotionally taxing week, uh, especially with a national television audience, as you mentioned earlier. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if they can really rise to the occasion then. We will come away with a win in the wrong building. Yeah. All right. Um, what is your prediction on the match? Um, um, I'm thinking a 2 1 Atlanta, to be honest. Uh, I think PT scores again. I'm kind of up in the air about the second goal. I want to say um, maybe Kubo Torres comes in and seals it late. And I would say probably 94 Orlando City. So I would say 2-1 Atlanta. Again, that second goal for Atlanta could come from anyone. Of course, they have <laughs> Joseph Martinez out. So, again, whoever steps up for them in the attack um, remains to be seen. But I'm going to say, yeah, Pete Martinez, Kubo Torres, score for Atlanta. Uh, 94 Orlando City, 2-1 Atlanta. All right, I think that's fair. Uh, I'm feeling pessimistic about the game just because it is Atlanta and I I mean I feel like we could be on an un, unbeaten run 20 games into the season and then we'd face Atlanta and lose somehow so um, I'm always pessimistic when facing them I do think it could be a loss for us could be a draw for us um, maybe Oscar Perea has something up his sleeve to get us a win but who knows uh, Sydney one more time do you want to uh, shout out Dirty South Soccer and where my listeners can find you at yeah, uh, DirtySouthSoccer.com, of course, is the website. You can follow us at Dirty South Sock, S-O-C. Um, I'm at S-H-R-I-T-E-S. S-H-W-R-I-T-E-S. Awesome, Sydney. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Guys, make sure to go follow him to uh, show him some appreciation for coming on and giving us the insight on tomorrow's match. Uh, you have a great day, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Take care. Stay safe.
here. Nani gets in behind. Here's Nani with a chip. It's 1-1.